Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. While we're worshiping, I just thought of that principle, first the natural and the spiritual. Sometimes God will send natural rain and then the spiritual rain comes. Sometimes he'll get you renovating your house or cleaning up your car or sorting out your office or your clothes cupboard. And God will sometimes get you building or sorting things out naturally because he's letting you know he's going to do it spiritually and emotionally as well. So sometimes God will stir, you just feel this stirring to get things cleaned up or sorted out or done or fixed up. And sometimes he's doing it in the natural because as you do it, he's letting you know he's doing it in the spiritual realm as well. Sometimes we just don't connect the natural things, the desires that God stirs our heart. And there's some people here, you've been wondering, well, I just had this stirring to get stuff done or fixed up or finished. And I believe God's saying, I'm doing the same in the spirit. Let me reach up to heaven for a moment and pray. Father, I thank you for that very simple but clear word. Lord, you're helping us to understand that often you'll stir us in the natural realm and then we see it outworked in the spiritual realm. Lord, for those that have been building, renovating, cleaning up, finishing tasks or jobs or doing whatever, Lord, let them see that you're doing that in their souls as well, Lord. us ready to have a larger heart, a greater capacity so that you can flow through us and your kingdom can be established. Lord, I pray your blessing over us in the mighty name of of Jesus. Everyone said? Amen. Let's take our seats. Well, last week was Easter. How awesome was that Easter weekend? And some of you were away, others were here. We had, uh, we had a full house last Sunday morning, over 350 people here on, on Easter Sunday morning with one service and over 260 people here on Good Friday. Lots of people visiting and people are searching for answers and hope and truth. And it is really, really exciting. And this week I was started to think about what happened to the people and who did Jesus appear to after the resurrection? So my message today is after the resurrection. And uh, I was stirred to look at some of the characters and people and individuals and groups that Jesus actually appeared to and what happened in their lives after the resurrection. The first one we want to look at is Mary Magdalene's encounter with Jesus, uh, 11 to 18. But Mary, who had returned, was standing outside the tomb sobbing. And so as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, woman, why are you crying? She told them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. After saying this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? For whom are you looking? Here's Jesus, knows that she's looking for him, but she asked the question, he asked the question, Supposing that he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you're the one who has carried him away from here, tell me where you have put him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher or master. Jesus said to her, Do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your father, and to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene came, reporting to the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. 
several amazing things about this encounter. Jesus revealed himself as the resurrected Christ. The first person he did it to was Mary Magdalene. Not the disciples or the religious leaders or someone that was wealthy or important. He revealed his resurrected life and body to Mary Magdalene. <clears throat> Why? We don't know all the reasons. Seeking and looking to him. We know from the Bible that she was, had a dramatic transformation of her life with Jesus. The Bible says that she had been set free from seven evil spirits. She'd had a very broken uh, past and yet Jesus came and had so set her free. So she was totally heartbroken when Jesus died. And then he talked about rising again and they were still trying to get their head around that. Now his body's gone and she's just sobbing with great grief. And Jesus is touched with her heart. It says there she returned to the tomb. She'd already been once at the break of dawn. She'd gone there to help do the spices and embalming his body. And the tomb was open. So she got so excited she ran back and told Peter and John. And they come running uh, down to have a look. And then she comes back now to find out what's going on. She was seeking for Jesus. I believe Jesus responded to the cry of her heart and she was sincerely reaching out to him. And then it's interesting to note that it says she saw Jesus but didn't recognize him. Quite a few people on that first day or those uh, following weeks, they saw Jesus but didn't fully recognize him. Maybe his resurrected body was just uh, similar but it might have been slightly different. But I think the biggest thing was they weren't expecting him to rise from dead. So their minds were not even conceiving that this could be Jesus. And I think, isn't that how perceptions can cause you to reach in and receive what God has? Or it can block you off because you can't even perceive or believe that it could happen to you. God, you, you read the scriptures, God can bless your life, sort out your family, bring peace in your heart. But if your perception is that God wouldn't do that or you're not good enough or you're not worthy, then you block yourself from receiving it. Perceptions can block you off. And so these disciples and leaders, they were really struggling. But then when did she recognize him? She recognized him when he spoke. She knew his voice. So sometimes our perceptions and fears and grief can block us off from receiving. But when you hear and know the voice of the Spirit of God within, you know that he loves you. You know that he cares for you. And I believe that Jesus came and touched her heart. And look what he said. He said, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. He intimately and powerfully reinforced her identity in Christ. He said, he's your Father. There's a scripture in Hebrews 2.14 says, Jesus was not ashamed to call us his brothers or family. Wow, wow. That is very powerful. This is talking about identity, belonging, all those things that, that, that Jesus reached in and restored and renewed all of that in these very precious moments in the garden. And sometimes we think, oh, I don't really belong or, or God, you've forgotten me. Hey, in this story, we see the very powerful message of Jesus. My father and 
your father. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Let's have a look at the second one. It was Thomas and the disciples. John 20, verse 19. Later on that day, what day? This is the day he rose from the dead. So he was up in the morning, early, talks to Mary Magdalene. In a moment we see he walk, goes for a walk and meets two other disciples. Then he shows up at night time to, uh, Thomas, uh, to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. It says in verse 19 of John 20, Later on that day the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews had locked all the doors in the house. They were terrified. They were afraid that they would be arrested as the followers and leaders of Jesus' uh, group to be arrested, maybe crucified or killed or locked up in prison. And back in those days, they didn't lock their houses very much. They were, it was villages, they, were, they had very open homes, so they didn't always lock their houses, so they were now locked in a room. Some Bible scholars say it could have been the same room, the upper room, that they actually had the Last Supper in. We don't know if that's true or not, but it could have been. That's a powerful thought if it was. So here they are locked up, terrified, afraid. Jesus entered, stood among them and said, peace to you. Well, here we go. Jesus walks through the wall, just straight in. And last week we talked about Jesus um, and uh, that we know him as a carpenter, but we looked at the word tecton, which is what describes him, actually meant builder, carpenter or stonemason or architect or craftsman. So Jesus probably walked straight through the stone wall because that's what the houses were built with. Just appeared. He's in his resurrected body. He's now locked in, not locked in. It's very interesting. One of the other, next time he shows up, he actually had some fish and ate with them. And then he disappeared and went back through the wall. What happened to the fish? That's a good question for all those curious ones. He had a beautiful resurrected body. So here he is. Peace be to you. Then he showed them his hands and side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. It's interesting that Jesus in his resurrected body still had the scars. That's another powerful thought. That when Jesus heals your life, sometimes he'll leave a scar or a reminder of what you were or what you've been through. So now you know that you're healed and the pain's gone and is restored movement or freedom in your soul. But there's sometimes some marks or scars. And some people get angry at God saying, why didn't you heal at all? He says, well, I have but you need a reminder, otherwise you'll quickly forget of what I've really done for you. Wow, so the scars are there. And then Jesus said, as I was sent, I am now sending you. Well, so he immediately moves into the purpose for why he came and the purpose now of what the disciples were to do. They weren't to sit around and commiserate, think, what are we going to do with our lives now, Jesus, you've You've really messed our heads up now. You died, now you're back. And, and what's going on? And Jesus said, he took a deep breath, verse 23, and breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. So he breathed on them. And, and for those who know their Bible words, uh, the word for breath is pneuma or spirit, which is breath or breath of God. So every time we take a breath, it reminds me that the Spirit of God lives within me. 
He breathed into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. He put the spirit within. We have the spirit of God within us. How powerful is that? So awesome. He breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. He said, if you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? And Bible scholars have wrestled with these verses sometimes saying, what does it really mean? Have we got the power to forgive sins? No and yes. God's the only one that can forgive sins, but by us choosing to forgive and release others and introducing to Jesus the forgiver, we are actually helping them to be forgiven. We don't have the power to do that, only Jesus can, but we are his hands and feet on earth to connect people. And if we don't forgive, then they don't receive it and we don't receive it. That's once again the powerful truth of forgiveness. You've got to realize these disciples... They were in grief, and what happens in grief? You go through shock, and you get angry, you get confused, and you want to blame someone. These guys would have been so angry at the Romans, at the religious leaders, at whoever, because they've destroyed and killed Jesus. They would have been wrestled with a whole lot of anger and grief and shock and pain, and Jesus comes and says, don't hold on to unforgiveness, forgive them. Wow. When I started to read through this, I thought, Jesus, you did so much in this short time after you rose from the dead. This is all on the first day. And then it goes on and says, but Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. I thought, I think, well, where was Thomas? Judas had betrayed Jesus and sadly then when he realized what he'd done, he committed suicide. The tragedy of that. He walked with Jesus three and a half years saw all the miracles and so he wasn't there anymore the other 10 were there but Thomas wasn't where was Thomas was he so afraid to even hang out with them that he'd gone back to his family or had run away or maybe it was an innocent thing and they're living in this house and he's gone to buy food for them so we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt hey Instead of nailing him as a doubter, because it's the only time he's called doubting Thomas is at this time. The rest of the time he was with one of the believing believers. So we'll, we'll believe he was out getting food for him, okay? Because the likelihood is, Jesus shows up eight days later again at this same house. They're probably still in lockdown out of fear for their lives. Wow. So Jesus appears to him. Thomas isn't there. The other disciples told him, we saw the master. But he said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. He was just a rational, reasonable guy. He says, if I can't see it, I can't believe it. Sounds like a lot of Aussies I know. And how, how can you know God's real? And how can you know Jesus is real? If you can't see him, you can't believe it. Jesus <clears throat> it says eight days later his disciples were again on in the room this time Thomas was with them Jesus came right through, through the locked doors again scared the wits out of them again remember it's eight days since the previous time stood among them and said peace to you so he bring a bit of peace to try and calm their jangled nerves then he focused his attention on Thomas but he knew, because the Holy Spirit knows everything. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. 
Don't be unbelieving, but believe. Wow. All of us at times are unbelieving believers. We believe in Jesus, but we struggle to believe all that he's promised and said to us. So we can all be Thomases sometimes. And Thomas said, my master and my God. Jesus said, so you believe because you've seen with your own eyes, even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. You see in the spirit and your heart, not just all with your physical eyes. How awesome is our amazing, amazing God. So there's so much more we could dwell on there that Thomas, as you know, he got so connected to Jesus, he ended up traveling further than any other disciple. He jumped on a boat, probably months in a boat and sailed to India, went further than even the Apostle Paul, traveled and carried the gospel to India and to this day there are millions, there are tens of millions of Christians in the bottom four states of India that can trace the gospel back to Thomas. Many of the, I've been to the church up there where he was martyred. He was there for 20 years and preached from about AD, AD 70. They've got the records and many of the churches can trace their original believers and leaders back to Thomas's preaching 2,000 years ago. And that's the reality in Chennai and all through southern India. There is, there is between 20, 10 to 20, up to 22% of people in some of those bottom states that are Christians, whereas the rest of India is about 0.05%. And Thomas was the one who, when he believed, he really believed. So let's never call him Doubting Thomas anymore. He was one of the greatest apostles ever and probably won more people to Jesus directly and their descendants than anyone else of those other disciples. Wow. The third one is the two followers of Jesus. On the same day, so he rose from the dead, appeared to Mary Magdalene, and he said, I'll go for a walk. So he's out having a walk. Two, two disciples, they weren't two of the 11. One was Cleopas and another one. So they were followers of Jesus, but not of the 11. He appears to them before he appears to the 11. So they're walking along, having this chat. And this guy starts to talk me a sermon worth hearing. Hey, he explained the whole Old Testament for him from Jesus' perspective. I really want to get the tape of that when I get to heaven. It'll answer a few of the questions I've got about how the Old Testament all fits together. And it says there in verse uh, Luke 24, 28, it says, Then they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him not to go on, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening, and the day has just about ended. Wow. So he went inside to stay with them. There are times when we're walking this journey of life and Jesus comes and touches our lives and sometimes we grab a little bit of it and run off and we don't invite him to come and dwell with us and take us on the rest of the journey. How many times have we missed that? God help us to really live for you. And then he goes on, he says, And it happened that as he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he be began giving it to them, then their eyes were suddenly opened by God and they clearly recognized him. When? At the breaking of the bread. Wow. And he vanished from their sight. Oh, Jesus, you're playing games again. As soon as they recognized, he disappeared. They're thinking, what on earth is going on? And then, then they said to one another, 
Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and opening the scriptures to us? Wow, wow, wow. Here they were walking and Jesus explaining all the Old Testament prophecies and scriptures of how it all fitted together. And now when they had the revelation of who he was, once again they were walking with him but didn't recognize him because they weren't expecting him to be walking down the road. And it indicates they walked for at least five kilometers, I think it was five miles or more, they walked. So they were out, that's two or three hours walking. Jesus explained everything to them and they realized when they knew who was, they said their hearts burned within them. I want to ask you the question, how long is it since your heart's burned within you about Jesus and who he is? Has it been that moment of worship or prayer or the word or sharing with people or just watching a sunset or whatever? How long is it since your spirit has burned within you because of God's love and his presence and power in our lives? I pray that that happens regularly in your souls. Your heart, your, your spirit's on fire. Jeremiah says, your word is like a fire in my bones. Oh, Lord, help us to have regular encounters with your love and power. So it's not just religious things and spiritual activities, but it's, it's fire, it's life, it's his presence just so consuming our hearts where you feel like you're going to burst inside with his presence. Our hearts were burning with the presence of in their souls. Oh, Lord, fill us with your spirit. Let our hearts be on fire for you. Let our souls be consumed with you. We walk in this natural world, but we live in a supernatural world in our souls. And he wants our hearts to burn within us with his presence in the word. Next one, John 21, verse 15. Jesus now shows up on the beach. What had happened? Jesus was on the earth for 40 days after he rose again. We've only got about six or seven glimpses of what he actually did in that time. I wonder what he did the rest of the time. It says he obviously, one of them says he taught them much about the kingdom of God. There's so many gaps, but we, we, God shows us the things we need to know. And so Peter, he was the one... It said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you all my life. I'll even die for you. I'll never deny you. Well, guess what? He denied him, ran away, preserved his life. And after Jesus died, even after he'd appeared to them, Peter went back fishing, saying, Jesus, it's awesome you're alive again, but this going into all the world and preaching the gospel and this stuff, we don't know how to do that. I've made promises before, so I'm not going to make any more promises that I can't keep. He's probably a guy of integrity, not a failure. So he went back fishing, said, God, this is too much. So what did Jesus do? Met him on the beach. The guys have been fishing all night. So they, they followed Peter because he was a leader. So they all go back fishing. They're supposed to be out evangelizing the world, but they're back fishing. Jesus says, throw the net on the other side. They reluctantly did, saying, we're the fishermen. Who, who are you? They threw it on, and then all of a sudden, the, their nets are bursting. They come inshore. John says, it's Jesus. It was probably early light of dawn, and as the day got brighter, and the sun was coming up, they realized it was Jesus. So Peter jumps in the water, and then we have this encounter in John 21. When they had finished eating, remember, they bought some fish, and Jesus already had fish, so how did he catch his fish? I don't know. He, he had fish already. So he... 
eating, he said to Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? That these could have been the other disciples or the fishing gear or whatever. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then he goes on the story and at the end of it he says, follow me. Do you realize that that version doesn't explain the original meaning of the words love? When Jesus first asked Simon, Peter, do you love me? It was agape love, full total surrender from your spirit and whole being. And Peter replied, yes, I love you. But he said with filial love, which is friendship. um, Yep, you're awesome, Jesus. Do whatever we can to help. Jesus said, go and feed my lambs. Even though Peter couldn't say yes to the depth of what Jesus asked. The second time Jesus asked the same question with the same original word. Do you love me? Agape love with all of your being. Peter again replied, I love. Yes, I love you as a friend and want to help, help you. The third time Jesus changed his word and he said, Peter, do you feel I love me? Jesus stepped down to what Peter's level was so he could lift him up. How awesome jesus will come to where we are whatever our level of faith or journey or understanding or revelation is or what's going on he will come to where you are and then lift you to where he wants you to be and that's what he did and each time he didn't get angry at peter he said go and feed my sheep feed my lambs take care of my sheep he was a shepherd a leader in the church And even when we make promises and can't fulfill them, or we surrender with all that we know, but it's not at the level God wants, he doesn't beat us up, he just keeps drawing us and lifting us more. And when Peter Peter had gone back to the fishing and and Jesus said, hey, follow me, follow me. Don't forget your call and purpose. He restored Peter and his destiny. And that's what Jesus does regularly for us. Sometimes at critical times, other times as a general process in our lives. Don't settle for less. Don't let excuses hold us back. Let's, let's keep surrendering to our awesome, awesome Lord. A couple more quickly to wrap it up. Matthew 28, 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted that he was really who he was. Some were still struggling with this. this rest- Jesus came up to them and said, all authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me and obey my word. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. Wow, 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 that's the amplified version. Jesus said, I'm with you always, perpetually, regardless of circumstance, and on every occasion. The devil lies and says, God's forgotten you or he's not walking with you in this. That's a total, total lie. Jesus is always right there with you by his spirit, 
He wants us to follow him. So this is about the commission. Go and make disciples. Go and share the good news. Don't hold this to ourselves, this resurrection life. Let's go. And God's calling us to live that out in our lives, in our workplace. Let our lives be so attractive that other people say, what have you got that I don't have? That's Christianity. Witnesses are people who just tell what they've seen and experienced. We think, well, i just got to be able to preach the gospel in all its fluency. No, Jesus said, go and be my witnesses. Go and just share and teach and explain who Jesus is, and he will do the work of transforming their hearts and our lives. It's the great commission, not the great suggestion. And sometimes we treat it like the great suggestion. Yeah, when I'm feeling really spiritual, I'm all prayed up. Yep, we'll go and do the great commission. No, it's, it's a calling of God. And lastly, Acts 1, 3 to 8 is one of the last recorded sayings of Jesus. It says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, here he is, doing his teaching over the meal again. Jesus loved food, and so we love food. So a whole lot of amazing things happen around the dinner table, around the barbecue, over the lounge, sharing food, hospitality, doing whatever. He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As we wrap it up today, I want you to just think about which character might you identify with? Is it a Mary Magdalene? Is it one of the unknown, unnamed disciples on the road to Emmaus? Is it a Peter or a John or one of the other disciples? Is it one of the crowd that were followers? Is it Thomas, who from time to time has serious doubts about God's call and purpose on your life? Which one might you identify with? Because after the resurrection, there's transformation. And then the church was birthed, the Holy Spirit got poured out. You will receive power, that's dynamite, dunamis in our lives, when the Spirit of God comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses. You'll tell what you've seen around the whole world. And if you're going to start around the whole world, start with your world. Your world is your family, your workplace, your neighborhood, your social setting, your community connections, whatever it is, your school, just start with your world and that's all God asks. If we all do that, I remember doing a bit of a survey a few years ago just from the people in our church and I worked out all the teachers and doctors and, and all the carers and what everyone did and I did very, very conservative estimates of how many different people in one week the people of our church connect with. Harvey Bay's got about 60,000 people. Do you know how many i got? 20,000. So a third of this city are touched by someone in our church at least once a week. 
I was staggered and I was very conservative in the estimates of how many different people, our business and doctors and, and everyone and all our carers and family members, very conservative. It's probably higher. That was just the hundreds of people in our church that touch in our city every week. I thought, wow, this is not that difficult. This is not impossible. Go into your world and share the gospel. Talk about the good news. Take every opportunity to tell your story, what you've witnessed and seen and experienced. I thought, Lord, you are so amazing. I get really excited when I think like that. Worship team, come on up. After the resurrection, oh, there's some people hearts here are starting to really stir today. Let's stand in his presence right now. There's some people here and your hearts are really starting to stir inside and say, God, oh, you've risen from the dead. Lord, you're, you're the awesome God that has done amazing things in and through us. Oh, God, you're, you're lifting up the opportunities, the possibilities. The Spirit of God right now is lifting up the possibilities of what He can do in and through our lives and our church and the other churches in our city. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.